five is intentional, the placement here. And I think we'll see that by the end of it. So chapter 35, let's uh, start with uh, one to five. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, saying, Go to the house of the Rechabites and speak to them, and bring them into the house of the Lord, into one of the chambers, and give them wine to drink. Then I took Jazaniah, the son of Jeremiah, son of Habazaniah, and his brothers, and all his sons in the whole house of the Rechabites, and I brought them into the house of the Lord, into the chamber of the sons of Hanan, the son of Igdaliah, the man of God, which was near the chamber of the officials, which was above the chamber of Masaleah, the son of Shalom, the doorkeeper. Then I set before the men of the house of the Rechabites pictures full of wine, pitchers full of wine and cups, and I said to them, drink wine. Okay. God is telling Jeremiah to go get the Rechabites and bring them to the temple and give them wine to drink. So Jeremiah goes and gets Jazaniah and all his family, the Rechabites, brings them into the temple and sets wine, pitchers full of wine and cups in front of them and says, drink wine. So Jeremiah is doing exactly what God told him to. And this is a real um, test of the Rechabites. We'll see that in just a moment. Uh, but this is a very compelling thing. When you have a prophet of God who <coughs> offers you hospitality <coughs> in the temple... He didn't say, would you like some wine to drink? He has pitchers and cups right in front of him and says, drink wine. Now, have you ever had that happen to you? You know, sometimes you go to somebody's house and they say, would you like blank? And you may say yes or no. But you go and they've got the table set, you know, for afternoon tea you know, or whatever, and you've got some lemonade and some homemade cookies or whatever, and they sit you at the table. Do you feel a little social pressure to actually uh, participate in that? You know, it's kind of like they made it for you. You know, they set you down there. It's already poured and set. I, uh, that becomes rather complicated to back out of. You may not like lemonade and cookies, but you're probably going to eat them anyway, because after all, you know, it's going to be socially awkward to get out of it. So, we have put the Rechabites in a situation where they are expected to drink the wine. Comments and questions to that point. That's who, the setting. Who are the Rechabites? We will see that in a moment. They are, they are people, and we're going to find out more about them as a people in just a minute. That was just kind of the setup. So we probably ought to read this next section so it becomes uh, more obvious, some of these things. Uh, 6 through 11. Um, I have one more question. Sure. This uh, second Jeremiah, I guess, is a different Jeremiah, where he brought there in verse 3, Jansiah, the second yes. Jeremiah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, good point. I think there are 
two or three other Jeremiah's in Jeremiah besides Jeremiah. That always is confusing. It isn't to us because we have that all the time. How many Caleb's are there among brethren? Or Logan's? Or John's? Or whatever. And we understand that. But we have a hard time when it's Bible names because they seem like weird names anyway. And then when we see a duplicate, it confuses us. But yeah, that's a good point. All right, 6 through 11. But they said, Go for it. But they said, We will not drink wine, for Jonadab the son of Rechab, our father, commanded us, saying, You shall not drink wine, you are your sons forever. You shall not build a house, <coughs> you shall not sow seed, and you shall not plant a vineyard or own one. But in tents you shall dwell all your days, that you may live many days in the land where you sojourn. We have obeyed the voice of Jonadab the son of Rechab, our father, in that he commanded and all that he commanded us not to drink wine all our days we our wives our sons or our daughters nor to build ourselves houses to dwell in and we do not have a vineyard or a field or seeds we have only dwelt in tents and have obeyed and have done according to all that Jonadab our father commanded us but when Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon came up against the land we said come and let us go to Jerusalem before the army of the Chaldeans and before the army of the Arameans so we have dwelt in Jerusalem so these Rechabites are associated with Jonadab, who is kind of their, um, you know, ancestral leader. Now, we don't know a lot about where the Rechabites came from. Uh, in First Chronicles, they seem to be associated with the Kenites, and the Kenites were kind of an allied people with the Israelites. We de- do see Jonadab, this uh, great... Uh, former leader of this people back in 2 Kings 10 when you had Jehu, the king of Israel who was systematically annihilating Ahab's family and virtually everybody else in the country um, in 2 Kings 10.15 when he had departed from there he met Jehonadab, same, same person the son of Rechab coming to him, meet him and greeted him and said is your heart right as my heart is with your heart and Jehonadab said, it is. Jehu said, if it is, give me your hand. And he gave him his hand and he took him up into the chariot. He said, come with me and see my zeal for the Lord. So Jehu displays his zeal for the Lord before Jehonadab, or Jonadab here, who was considered to be a zealous, righteous person. And his descendants are these Rechabites who follow some rules that their forefather, Jehonadab, had laid down. Some rather specific um, traditional commands that he gives to his clan. What are these rules? Don't drink wine was a big one. What other rules? Be a nomad. Yeah. No building house, no sowing seed, no planting vineyard. You know, you just kind of wander, kind of a nomad, uh, instead of uh, somebody who settles down and kind of, uh, you know, resides in a place. So the Rechabites, following the orders of their forefather Jonadab, had been doing that. Does that remind you a little bit of anybody today? P. 
people who follow rules set down by their ancestors that distinguish them from the general population somewhat. Amish. Amish. Now, you guys were Mennonite, right? Or were you Amish? Were you we were plain, plain people, sort of. A but you weren't allied with a religious group? No, not really. Okay. Are there Amish up in northern New York? Yes. So you know a decent amount about them, because you got them in Pennsylvania, too, right? Mm -hmm. So, what would be some of the rules that Amish people often follow? Well, it's normally it's set by the bishop, who is the head of the whole community. So every Amish group is a little bit different, but he sets the rules, and they follow what he says. You know, they read the, they're the ones that teach the Bible, and you don't go study it for yourself. And if it's something different to what the bishop said, then you are sinning. Okay. So. Same idea almost then. You've got a leader that kind of sets the rules. And typically you think of Amish people often as not driving cars, not using electricity a lot yep. of times. Uh, a lot of uh, clothing. Yep, it'd be um, covering the, women covering their heads and the men always wearing hats um, and then wearing... Uh, same clothes, very plain clothes, right. nothing flashy. Not colorful. You know, right. Exactly. Always, very often women just wear black. Yeah. And, and the idea of that is largely not to sort of be contaminated by the world, right? Yep. By modern things and so forth. Yeah. And so that's what you've got here in their context is this kind of group, this, uh, we might call them almost a clan, but you know, a, 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 a family grouping that has maintained loyalty to these standards that Jonadab had laid down a long time before. We'll talk about how long before in a little bit. Uh, and, and they've stuck with that. Well, you know, we've got a problem here because what Jeremiah is telling them to do is not their ancestral tradition. You know, now, I don't think Jeremiah... Uh, here in this book is taking a position on the right or wrong of these rules. The question is not, were these good rules, were these bad rules? They are the family's rules. They are what Jonadab laid down. Good, bad, or indifferent. He's really more going to start, he's going to make a contrast in a minute between how faithfully the Rechabites followed the rules of their forefather and how unfaithful the Israelites are in following the rules of their father God. That's really the point. So, I don't know whether it's better or worse to be a nomad. Uh, I don't think the point here is it's bad to drink wine. Certainly, if it's an alcoholic wine, it is bad. But I don't think that's his point here. I think his point here is just they were faithful to their rules. So, they say... You know, Jeremiah puts him in the temple, sets the pitchers and cups before him, says, drink wine, and they immediately say, we will not drink wine. <laughs> For Jonadab, our father said, you shall not drink wine, and, you shall, and we have obeyed the voice, and we haven't drunk the wine, and we haven't built houses, and we don't have vineyards, and we dwelt in tents. We have done exactly what he says, and we're not going to go <coughs> back on that. They are committed to that tradition. They are committed to Jonadab. They are going to do what he told them to. Uh, you appreciate at least somebody who has some kind of commitment, some kind of conviction, and they can't be swayed out of it because they, you know, somebody said to do it. You know, you may or may not like the commitment. 
you may think it's not a very good cause to appreciate somebody who's got some kind of faithfulness to some kind of cause. I mean, at least the sense of commitment. I mean, some causes are really bizarre. You know, I, I, I don't at all agree with the Mormon church. But you do have to admire the commitment that these Mormon young men and women have to go on these missions for two years, you know, to completely take the, their life away for two years, go learn a language and go overseas and go wherever the church sends them from place to place, call home, at least it used to be twice a year, and just go and do what they're told. I just read, just the other day, at college basketball I follow, one of the big players for Brigham Young won't be there for the next two years because he's going on his two-year mission. You know, wow, that's pretty impressive. Now, I think the commitment is something really totally not right. But the, the sense of commitment is impressive. It certainly is a contrast with Christians sometimes. We say, well, we don't follow such false teachings as the Mormons give. We follow the Lord's teachings. Well, why aren't we equally committed? Why don't we have more of a sense of mission and responsibility and faithfulness to our Lord than the Mormons would have to the LDS organization and all that kind of stuff? And so, in fact... There's, there's a sense in which the Rechabites didn't seem to be doing this. Because where were they right now? In Jerusalem. In Jerusalem. They were supposed to be in cities. They were supposed to be nomads. So what happened? Why are they in Jerusalem? Because of the invading Yeah, Babylon's invasion forced them to go in Jerusalem. Now, I think their point is this is an emergency situation. We are still committed to our Father's laws, uh, but in this situation we had no real choice. I must say that I think that <coughs> makes this even harder. I don't know whether we want to take this as a good thing or a bad thing in terms of their commitment that they did this, but I think if you stretch a rule, it makes it harder to keep all the others because you kind of feel like you've sort of broken one anyway. <laughs> and so I'm impressed by the fact that even though they feel like because of necessity they had to modify that one rule, they are still staying strong for all the others. Um, and so they are just determined. They say we won't do it. We are not going to drink the wine. Now they give a long explanation. They make it as polite as possible. But there is no question, we will not drink wine. That's what they say in verse 6. We're not going to go back on what he said about that. Incredible. You know, really impressive. Thoughts and comments on the commitment they had to Rechab and or to Jonadab uh, or anything to verse 11. I think it's pretty cool with the Rechabites that they listened to their forefathers. I guess it goes to say much of the parents, you know, that they, like it says, train up a child in the way they should go. I think they did a good job in doing that. Yeah, that is impressive, isn't it? That even though these were unusual rules, maybe more challenging rules to keep, I mean, this is not just like, go have fun all the time, that's our rule. This is like, things that are going to be difficult for them, and yet they have. They have maintained that. It's yeah. also cool that they don't just give a quick answer. 
but they're proud of their ancestry. They are. They, that's exactly right. And we're not proud of being Christians sometimes. We we'll, we we don't. We maybe when we're told to do something that's wrong, we'll we'll turn it down, but we won't give this long explanation of why, um, and why we feel this way, and why we're going to stick to this, because we're, because we're following Christ. Yeah, great point. You know, the some of your buddies say, "Let's go see this movie that you know is not fit to see." You're like, "I don't like that movie." So just saying, "No, I'm a Christian, and I don't go watch movies like that." Because it has this or that or whatever, or in whatever situation, you know. Uh, well, let's go. Let's go to this party. No, my parents wouldn't want me going to that party. Instead of saying, "No, I'm a Christian. I have a commitment to the Lord, and I'm going to parties where we drink and do things like that," you know, uh, you don't just say, well, "I don't like the taste of it," <laughs> you know, whatever. I mean, uh, it is impressive that they don't say, <coughs> "We're not thirsty." <laughs> They say, no, we've got a commitment, and here's all about it. They were, they were eager to tell about it. It's a very good point. Well, let's see the, the rebuke, then, that, that the Lord gives based upon this story as he starts making the contrast between their lack of commitment to God and the Rechabites' commitment to Jonadab, 12 to 19. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Go and say to the men of Judah will, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, Will you not receive the instruction by listening to my words, declares the Lord? The words of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, which he commanded his son not to drink wine and observe, so they do not drink wine to this day, for they have obeyed their father's command. But I have spoken to you again and again, yet you have not listened to me. Also I have sent to you all my servants the prophets sending them again and again saying turn now every man from his evil way and amend your deeds and do not go after other gods to worship them then you will dwell in the land which I have given you to you and to your fathers but you have not inclined your ear to listen to me indeed the sons of Jonadab the son of Rechab have observed the command of their father which he had commanded them but this people has not listened to me Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I am bringing on Judah and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem all the disaster that I pronounced against them, because I spoke to them, but they did not listen. I have called them, but they did not answer. Then Jeremiah said to the house of the Rechabites, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Because you have obeyed the command of Jonadab your father, kept all of his commands, and done according to all that he has commanded you. Therefore, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Jonadab the son of Rechab shall not lack a man to stand before always, to stand before me. So, he makes this contrast. It's really powerful. I mean, here you've got a command given by simply a mortal man, Jonadab, versus the command given by the eternal God. You have a command it was given by one person at one period of time versus what God sent the prophets to warn the people about over and over again over a long period of time. You've got the Rechabites still obeying. Do you realize how much time has passed from the time of Jonadab till now? Jonadab was in the era of Jehu. Anybody know how long that would be? 
about 250 years. They are still faithful 250 <coughs> years after Jonadab. That is remarkable. God sent the prophets right and left to these people, and they can't listen for, you know, 30 minutes. Um, you know, Jonadab gave them some tough orders. God's giving them commands for their benefit. You know, and they were faithful to Jonadab. God's people aren't faithful to him. The loyalty of worldly people to a cause or to a person puts to shame the faithfulness of God's people to him and his orders. You know, you just think about that. I mean, there are a lot of people who have a lot more commitment to their ball team than Christians do to the holy and eternal God. They're a lot more enthusiastic in promoting their ball team than Christians are in promoting the Lord. It is, it is outrageous sometimes that Christians are so uncommitted to something that is so valuable and worthy for us. When I was, uh, I've told this story, but it's been a while. Uh, when I was in New Salisbury, this has probably been 12 years ago, I, I was knocking on doors to set up Bible studies. And I knocked on the door of a guy who told me he was moving. I said, where? Well, he was, he was moving actually closer to where I lived. You know, he wasn't moving very far. And he told me where he'd be moving. And so I wrote it down. And I went over there a few months later, and he had moved in, things were settled. And so I offered him again the chance to, uh, the, uh, that I wanted to come to his house and read the Bible with him. He accepted for Wednesday afternoon at 5 o'clock. I went over there Wednesday afternoon at 5 o'clock, and they were working on strawberries to be able to freeze them or count them or whatever. Freeze them, I guess, is what you do with strawberries. Anyhow, uh, so I sat there, and they got their Bibles out, and we started going through Mark. And we did chapter 1, verses 1 to 8. And I remember, I said, now read 9 to 15. And he said, I will, but first I have a question for you. He said, I want to know why you're trying to teach me. He said, I know you're Jehovah's Witness, but why are you trying <laughs> to teach me? I said, I'm not Jehovah's Witness. He said, well, I thought you were. Why did he think I was Jehovah's Witness? Exactly! Who else goes around knocking on people's doors to try to convert them to their cause? Isn't that a shame? That if somebody knocks on your door, bold enough to try to talk to you about the Lord, it's just assumed you must be Jehovah's Witness. They've got a doctrine that's really not biblical and doesn't even make a lot of sense. And they're more committed to teaching that than we are to teaching the truth. Isn't that a shame? It should have been, he said, well, I know you're a Christian. Because it ought to be those who have the truth are a whole lot more eager to promote it than those who are teaching some false doctrine. See, it's that idea. The commitment of people, even to things that are wrong, or as in this case, I think, to a family tradition that's indifferent as far as right and wrong is concerned, but the degree of commitment is impressive. Why are people committed more to those kinds of things than we are to God? 
That ought not to be. I think it's a great illustration. It's a great thing to meditate on. You could use all kinds of illustrations of that in our day, of the degree of commitment people have, either to things that don't matter, or even things that are just absolutely bizarre, in comparison to our commitment to something very valuable and from the Lord. Comments and questions on that? So just contrast these two chapters. The Israelites going back on their commitment to keep God's word at long last versus the absolute determination of the Rechabites. They will keep Jonadab's orders even when Jeremiah brings them to the temple, <coughs> sits them down with the pitchers and cups of wine right in front of them and says, drink wine. That's impressive. That's a contrast. No wonder God was going to punish his people. They haven't got anything close to even the commitment of the Rechabites to Jonadab. Things you want to say about this story? Were the Rechabites also servants of God? Because he ends up saying that I'm going to keep them standing in front of me? Or is that just a blessing because they had this commitment? I think they did serve God, even from the perspective of Jonadab back in Second Kings 10. They appeared to be, you know, people who worshipped and believed in the God. It's a little hard to understand about some of these allied peoples, like the Kenites, who always seem to pretty much be on Israel's side, to what extent they actually believed and followed Israel's God and so forth, but the Rechabites seem to have to me. Other comments or questions? So had they, well, all the Israelites stopped following God, had they kept following God, or had they just kept following the traditions of their father? I guess I don't know how faithful they are to God. Oh. Um, but, I mean... God is certainly approving of them here, but it wasn't more in connection with what they followed of Jonah. Other thoughts? Did you say Numbers 19 was fulfilled, or did I just miss that part? I didn't. But he's saying that because they've been so faithful to Jonadab, he's going to preserve them, and there's always going to be Rechabites among the people of Israel. I think that's his point. And so he's really rewarding them just because of their degree of commitment to, to, to Jonadab. Not that Jonadab was right or wrong or anything, but they're just loyal. There's a, there's a good quality in being loyal, you know, to a cause, particularly when you contrast with how, contrast it with how disloyal Israel is to God. God's glad to see an example of loyalty to anything. <laughs> so it's not like Jesus or something? No, no. I think he's just saying, I won't lie about the Rechabites. <coughs> Do you take that thing in their today? I don't know necessarily that I would say that. Uh, I don't know. The, a lot of times the always in the Old Testament means for a long time. It's not the forever and ever in the New Testament. So, uh, yeah, I, the, literally I have in my mind <coughs> all the days. So what days? I don't know. Other questions and comments? Okay, chapter 36, you have to keep remembering this is not chronological order, we are going